Hey guys, welcome back to Handling It. I'm your host, Catherine, and as you know, I thought I had my life all figured out, and then I realized I actually didn't. But I'm handling it. And one of the best ways I've learned how to do that is to talk with others about how they're handling their own lives. Well, everybody, I am so thrilled for today's guest, the wonderful and talented Angela Johnson, to join us. Angela is one of my favorite comedians there is, and she's notably known for her work on Mad TV, where she brought to life the infamous character Bonquiqui. She's released comedy specials on Netflix, Hulu, Comedy Central, and Epics, and she's also starred on a number of projects across film and television. Today, Angela will be sharing how cheerleading for the Oakland Raiders led her to a career in acting and stand-up. We'll also be chatting about how the pandemic has impacted her outlook on work and life in general. And on this episode, Angela will also be teasing her upcoming book, Who Do I Think I Am? Stories of Chola Wishes and Caviar Dreams. I am so excited to get into the episode and for you to hear from Angela, so you know what to do. Turn up the volume, get comfortable, and I hope you enjoy. Well, Angela Johnson, I am so excited to have you on and chat with you about your incredible career. So thanks so much for joining. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's really special. Of course. So I guess, how are you as we sort of close out the lockdown and we're getting back out there to the real world? You know, I'm doing well. It was hard. My first couple of shows back out into the world, you know, we had all taken a year off of touring And my first tour date was in Virginia beach. And it was like, do I remember how to tell jokes? Like, do I even have stamina anymore? I got off stage with the very first show and I was like, Oh my God, I have to do this five more times. Like, this is crazy. (laughs) So, um, it definitely took a little like a jumpstart for sure, but I feel like I'm doing well. I'm, I'm ready to get back out there. I think everyone else in the world is too. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, we had, I think at the beginning of the lockdown, sort of, we had comedian Mia Jackson on and she was sort of discussing the shift between going from doing live shows to then doing virtual shows. But now there's going to be like this new normal of going from the pandemic world that we've been so used to for a year now, and then getting back out there and doing stuff Mm -hmm. in what used to be normal society, but it's just a completely changed society. It is. And you know what? My heart actually goes out to those. Like a second ago, I said, yeah, everybody in the world is ready to get back out there. But that's actually not true. There are some people who actually have severe anxiety about getting back out there. And my heart is for those people. And uh, even the, the people who are like getting back into work. Like for me, it looks like going on tour, traveling, going on stage. For my mom, my mom is a teacher at a, a beauty college. And so like she was working from home and then now she has to gear back up to like go to the school. And I know there's anxiety around that, like getting back into regular clothes and not just your sweatpants and like leaving the house, waking up early, like all of those things that are were normal to us before COVID. And then we all kind of got this reset. And for some of us, there's definitely like a, a little anxiousness about getting back into it. Sure. I mean, yeah, just the whole process of commuting, being in an office again and having meetings face to face, like that's a completely 
new change. I mean, it's something we had done before, but I mean, it's something that we're going to have to really readjust and get used to again. Like, I don't know what I'm going to do when I can't mute somebody in person. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) (laughs) I love seeing the memes of, you know, just everybody on a call and they have like a grill out on their desk or they're like painting their nails or whatever it may be. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. No more multitasking. Now you actually be present. Yeah. Actually like do your job. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, well, that's, um, great to, you know, see that, you know, shows are coming back and, you know, crowds are filling up, which is awesome, but I guess, so let's get into talking about your career. Cause you've had this wild, fascinating career and I'm just so excited to hear about it. So you were initially, before you even got into comedy, before acting came about, you were actually a cheerleader for the Raiders, right? Yes. Yes. So how then did the whole transition to acting and comedy begin? Well, you know, I wanted to be an actress and I didn't know how to do that, but I had a friend who was willing to show me the ropes if I moved to Hollywood. And right around the same time, I had another friend who was a cheerleader for the Oakland Raiders. And so she invited me to try out. And then I kind of used it as my sign, to be honest. I was like, okay, God, um, if... I make the team. If I try out for the Oakland Raiders and I make the squad, then I will do it for one year and then I'll move to Hollywood and I'll pursue my dreams to be an actress. But if I don't make the squad, then please show me another way outside of entertainment. I'm going to just let entertainment go out of my brain, out of my heart, Mm -hmm. and I'll just choose something else. So the Raiderettes was kind of like my sign from God that yes, join the entertainment industry. And um, so I did, I made the squad and I did it for that one year. We went to the Super Bowl that year. And then I came home from the Super Bowl and the very next weekend I packed up my bags and I drove to LA and I have been there uh, for almost 20 years. Crazy. Yeah. And then, so then you started on Mad TV, which like I had watched Mad TV growing up. I feel like, um, you know, for anybody who doesn't know it, was sort of like a Saturday Night Live, I shouldn't say a Saturday Night Live spinoff, but um, very, you know, similar in the sense that you had acting, you had comedy, you had these skits. Sure, it was a a sketch comedy show. Exactly. So um, how did that whole audition process come about for you? Because you created, on the show, you created some iconic characters and really helped, you know, add a lot to your career after the show. Well, I had never done sketch comedy before. So when that audition came about, I was told you had to come up with three original characters and three celebrity impressions. I had never done celebrity impressions either. So at the time, YouTube was very new. And I went on YouTube and I was like, okay, what are celebrities that I could, you know, impersonate? And so I'm thinking of who's famous and Latina. So I'm like, all right, Jennifer Lopez. Uh, Rosalind Sanchez was on her show without a trace at the time mm-hmm. without a trace I think yeah um, and then um, Paula Abdul was on American Idol at the time so I was like okay I could I could imitate those three people let me just watch some videos of them and mimic them and and that's kind of what I did I kind of taught myself how to just copy them mm-hmm. and um, for my original characters I just took these uh jokes that I wrote about my grandpa and I turned it into my grandma and I just kind of like acted it out more. And I did, um, Bonquiqui was my sister who wanted to be a rapper. 
and then I did, I did another, I can't forget what my, I forget what my third character was, but basically I just took jokes from my stand-up comedy and kind of molded them into an actual character. And I just gave them like mannerisms and things that they did. Um, and then I booked the show and I couldn't believe it because I was like, oh my God, I've never done sketch comedy in my life. I have not gone to like Groundlings or Second City or, you know, IO West or any of the, the great schools that teach you how to be a, a funny sketch comedy person. I was just kind of winging it. And then I made it and I booked it and I was like, oh, well, I better keep going and see what happens with this. And, and, um, when I was on the show, there was this looming writer strike that was about to happen. So all of the writers were pumping out sketches for the actors that they knew how to write for, who had been on the show for seasons. They're like, okay, this person knows how to do this impression. This person has this character, let's write these sketches. But I was brand new. So nobody knew how to write for me really. And um, I ended up writing the Bone Queequee sketch and they picked it to film. And I got to do that one Bone Quickly sketch and it took off like crazy. And I was let go from the show after that, after the writer's strike, there was some budget mm -hmm. cuts and by budget cuts, I mean me. So uh, they said, thank you for coming, bye-bye. And um, that Bone Quickly sketch lived on. She went on the internet and I had no idea that was going to happen with that character. It was insane. Well, and that was also like truly, you know, you brought up YouTube before. And I think, you know, early to mid 2000s, YouTube really was now there's social media and it's so different. But YouTube really was this new platform for like that sort of instant fame that we're so used to now with social media, like Instagram, your Twitter, everything. Right. Um, but yeah, I feel like YouTube really changed the game, especially when trying to, you know, get your, your sketches, your comedy out there. Oh yeah. YouTube changed my life. I used to joke and say, um, I'm like the Justin Bieber of comedy, how YouTube blew him up. Yeah. Only I never got that big, you know what I mean? <laughs> but um, yeah, I YouTube changed my life. And then now you have the next generations uh, where Instagram changed their life. TikTok changed their life, you know? Mm -hmm. And for me, it was YouTube. Yeah. So then I guess after the, I mean, did the show then with your career, did you realize, oh, hey, I'm more into acting or hey, I'm more into comedy and then go out and do that? It was always acting for me but comedy is what took off and ended up being a lot of the acting doors that were open to me were opened because of my comedy, you know? So um, it definitely has worked hand in hand, stand-up comedy with acting, but I moved to LA because I wanted to be an actress and here I am still trying to be an actress, but um, stand-up comedy is, is the thing that, um, it's one of those like grow where you're planted situations. Mm -hmm. And um, I feel like stand-up is the industry where I have been flourishing. And so I'm like, okay, this is where I'm supposed to be and what I'm supposed to be doing. And I, I love it. I love meeting people on the road. I love hearing their personal stories of how a joke that I wrote has impacted their family. You know, like those are really powerful stories that you don't, get to hear in a lot of other situations. Yeah. Well, and then I'm sure with comedy and no pun intended, but I'm sure it's a really fun industry. Um, but I guess 
or I can only imagine that, you know, I mean, you have inconsistent schedules and just also the pressure of making people laugh and keeping them entertained. I mean, I guess what are some of the challenges you've come across through comedy and, you know, even some of the joys? Um, I would say challenges is traveling. Um, and that can be a joy as well. But there's a lot of times where, um, you know, you got to be up at four in the morning, get that flight, get to the next city, you're tired, you had a late show the night before, and um, you have minimal hours sleep, and then you're in, you know, the TSA line, and then you're waiting on the tarmac, and then you're on the airplane, and then it's like a new environment, your allergies are different here, and then it's a different time zone, you lost three hours of sleep, and then, so it's very... um, exhausting on your body. Um, That was probably one of the hardest parts about being in the comedy industry. Um, But then at the same time, like I said, I've been able to travel all over the world because of comedy and I'm so grateful. I mean, I've been, you know, to Australia, New Zealand, Saipan, Guam, Japan, um, all over the United States and it's really incredible that this gift of comedy is what took me to these parts of the world. Like it's incredible. I'm so grateful. Right. And I'm a big like travel girl and I, I just, I would love if, you know, to have a career that would sort of take you all over, but I could also imagine it's like, especially when time zones get involved, right. craziness, I, I can only imagine. But then I guess, so with the pandemic, um, how did it impact the work that you were doing? I mean, did you do virtual shows? Were you, you know, still like, were you still getting out there? How did it impact the work that you were doing? I did not do virtual shows. I just took the time off and I rested and I rejuvenated and I reconnected and, and all of that. I went on my sabbatical and took a break and um, yeah, I enjoyed it. I had been touring for like 13, 14 years. So it was really nice to be able to not live out of a suitcase for a little while to actually utilize my home that I had lived in, but had not really fully enjoyed, you know, like I built a garden. I started to learn how to garden and, and things like that. And um, I made a cute little sacred space on my balcony that I got to use. And I had never even used my balcony before because I was never home. So it was really special to be able to actually use my home and, and love it, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think too, I mean, at least for me, even the pandemic, I think with everything going, like going into the lockdown, right. At the very beginning, it was literally like a complete halt to any and all plans, not just me, but anybody had. Um, And I'm very much a planner. I like to plan things out. And I said, it was just like such a funny joke. And I said that a couple of times, it's like, you could plan for as much as you want, but like this pandemic taught me, like, I don't know. It was the first time I was ever like told, no, like it's just not going to work. Um, because you run into challenges, you run into hindrances, but then like a whole year of your life coming to a halt and not being able to do things like travel, um, not being able to, I mean, so many people's weddings got postponed, everything, big life plans. And it's, it wasn't even like we all were told, Hey, this is going to be a full year. 
it was like maybe in a couple months. Okay, by next month, we might open up by next. So everybody was kind of like, I don't know, what are we doing? Will the city be open by the time my birthday comes around? Like, no. And then like everybody got to experience a quarantine birthday, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I know. I said like, I there was honestly nothing quite like having a quarantine birthday. My family like and friends did a whole birthday parade for me with their cars. And I'm yeah. just like, wow. Yeah. It's like you, re- you really live through the pandemic then once you get to experience something like that, because it was just so crazy. But I think too, like there's something really, at least for me, something really great about that was for the first time ever, it was like socially acceptable to take a break. Yeah. Because for- I think for a lot of people, you know, they they feel like they can't. I feel like I can't sometimes just to have one day, you know, weekends, everybody thinks, you know, you relax on the weekend. I try and like book things and like stay busy. And then like every now and then I have like a Sunday roll around and I'm like, can I take a break? Right. <laughs> Am I allowed to? We had to learn how to rest, learn how to breathe, learn how to stop, learn how to like honestly like that visual of like shutting down the machine where it does that sound like the, you know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. everyone had to learn how to do that because for a lot of us, we're in survival mode. We're in got to pay the bills, got to provide for my kids, got to pay off my student loans, got to excel in my career, got to grow, hustle, grind more, more. Like we've all been not we've all, but I'm generalizing, but a lot of people have been in that place. And this was a complete opposite. And it was really, for me, really powerful. And especially with social media, like you can really get locked into the comparison game of like what everyone else is doing. And it was really nice to know that nobody was doing anything. Like, I mean, there was a few people, obvi, that were doing, you know, excelling during the pandemic and starting their own companies that was flourishing and that was great mm-hmm. for them. But for the most part, it was like, it was really nice to know, hey, we're all in this together, you know? Like, we're all going through something in a different way. We're all experiencing it differently. Some people were called to the front lines, these essential workers. And then some people were on a, on a rest break but we all experience this thing together, you know? Exactly. And I think that's, I mean, what I found to be a really, uh, I guess, moving thing about COVID-19. I, it sounds crazy to even say that, but it's the fact that, you know, every age, every, you know, every person from every background went through this same thing all together. And sure, like you said, we went about it different ways and, you know, certain things impacted others and, you know, others didn't have to go through those things, but, you know, we all went through it. Everybody had some sort of big event canceled. Everybody, you know, had friends and family separated from one another because they couldn't be around people. Um, And I think that, I mean, that taught me a lot. So I'm curious for you and your career, do you have a different outlook now going back into the swing of things? Um, are there certain things maybe you like will appreciate more, um, certain, like, I don't know, how, how did it affect you? And I guess, how will it possibly affect your next steps? 
Um, I would say that I'm coming back into things with more boundaries because I really let myself get depleted and, um, I got myself to a place where I was creating out of survival mode instead of creating out of the overflow, um, Mm -hmm. because I had depleted myself. So I think I'm coming back into the world with more boundaries and just, um, more honor for myself and my body, for instance, like, you know, when I'm in a city and let's say I have five shows and they're like, oh, they're all sold out. You want to add a second? You want to add another one? Sure. Let's add another show. Oh, that one's sold out. You want to add another one? Might as well. I'm here. People want to see me. Let's do it. Let's add another one. And sometimes, I mean, I've been in cities where I've done 18 shows before, but usually a city is anywhere from like five to eight shows that I'll do in a city. Mm-hmm. And what past six, that's a lot on my body. But I was at this place where I was like, strike while the iron's hot. Like people want it. Let's, let's go another show. And that's more money. That's I'm trying to stack that coin so I can, you know, you know, set myself up for the future and and all of that kind of stuff. But yes, I was earning more money for my bank account, but I was depleting my energy from my physical account. So I add a show and earn and deplete, earn and deplete. So when I would get home, I would have nothing left for my husband, for marriage, for a date night, for just our relationship. I would have nothing left for family, for friendships, because I was so depleted. Like I stacked that coin, but I was so depleted. So I think I'm coming back in with more boundaries and knowing like I need more balance in my life. And yes, I could add more shows or I can conserve my energy. And then by the time I get home, I can go on a date night with my husband and prioritize my marriage, you know? Yeah. Well, I think that's the thing. And I think with, you know, COVID and to your point before, when you talked about like your period of rest, I think we learned how to rest during this time. And we learned how to navigate and like evenly distribute our commitments, mm-hmm. right? Because I think for a lot of people, myself included, um, I like to jam pack a lot into a day. And then, like you said, then you get to like the end of the day and you're cooking dinner at like nine o'clock at night, or you're, you know, doing laundry until you fall asleep on the couch, like those types of things. And you're like, this shouldn't be happening. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. It's okay to happen sometimes, but not every night. Exactly. So yeah, I think it's hopefully that people learn, you know, if they learned that during the pandemic, I hope they, you know, continue to do it afterwards. Yeah, it'll, it'll take some re reprogramming in our brains and we'll be getting back into habit, you know, but um, as much as we can try to stick with whatever you learned in your uh, quarantine process. If you did learn something, let it not be for nothing, you know, yeah. let it, change, do the change that your life requires to, to really absorb that lesson, you know, mm-hmm. for I'm sure. Not, I'm not in the business of learning lessons twice. You know what I'm saying? This just <laughs> tell me what it is and let me fix it. Yeah, definitely. And I think too, so one other thing I wanted to bring up, you started your own podcast and I love the concept behind it. So it's ghost stories with Angela Johnson and it's all about, yeah, I mean, the supernatural, the things that make us sort of maybe uncomfortable. And I think um, I, I want to know why you decided to launch it. You launched it during the pandemic, correct? Yeah. yeah. So we have 
I had three podcasts actually. One is with uh, my husband called Mangela, and we just talk about relationship stuff and whatever silly things that's going on in our lives. And then the other one is Nights at the Round Table with my husband and our friend Brandon, and we talk about the deconstruction of our faith and relationships, ideologies, and the reconstruction of those things. Mm -hmm. And then Ghost Stories with Angela came during the summer of quarantine. And it was kind of like, I've always been into paranormal stuff, all the haunted shows, like I'm super into that. And it was like, you know, when you would go camping, I don't know if you've ever been camping, but I grew up oh, going yeah. camping and we would sit around the campfire and we would tell stories. And so I had a fire pit in my backyard and I was like, I'm going to go live on Instagram and ask my fans if anybody has a ghost story and I'll just go live with them and let them tell their ghost story. And so that's how it started. And I would have a special guest each episode. One of my comedian friends or actor friends would come on and then uh then it grew and grew and now we are on like facebook live youtube live and twitch and then we record it as a podcast and it's grown we've had some creepy things happen on the show and um it's it's just really cool to be able to hear people's real life stories and it's not like just like you know you you made up this story it's like people are like yeah this when i was seven years old i lived in this house and then they're like explaining it to us and like people are in the comment section um asking questions and um it's just it's and it's fun it's funny like mm -hmm. i i can't help but make jokes about some of the things that people say so um it's like paranormal and also funny and and i like to hear the stories but i don't like to experience them myself so once creepy things start happening i'm like okay we're taking a break for a little while right got to keep it light <laughs> yeah exactly yeah i think with all of that i'm really curious what's you, do you have a favorite ghost story i don't know if i want to know this but do you have a favorite ghost story and I guess if so, I mean, or could it be like a movie, I guess, book, anything that like really creeps you out, I guess, what's your guilty pleasure? Um, my favorite ghost story that I've heard is from my friend, Joe Coy. And um, he was one of my first guests on my show. And you can check out the episode on my YouTube channel. The only thing is the audio is like, it glitches. And that's another thing is that there you a reason, a reason for it. It's like when you start doing like paranormal things, all of a sudden, like electronics start wigging out. And so you can check it out on my YouTube. There are moments where the audio is like glitching and you can read through the comments. People are very upset about that, but there's nothing I can do about it. Mm -hmm. um, but his story is incredible. It's about a time he rented an Airbnb house in Hawaii for his family and he was supposed to be there for 12 days and they lasted about two, two or three days and abandoned, they left. They were like, this is unreal what was happening in the house. It's crazy. Yeah. I just, well, that's the thing. I think it's those stories that you hear from like very normal people about very abnormal things that freak me out more than like any movie, book, whatever. Yeah. Because it's real. Because it really mm -hmm. happened. Yeah. And we just had on, um, we actually just did an episode with uh, Christine. She's one of the hosts from, and that's why we drink podcast. And that explores all things supernatural, 
all the ghosts, everything, the creepy stuff. And, you know, we talked about the same thing with her where it's just, I don't know, some of those stories you, you hear. And that's the weird thing is when you hear them from, like I said, completely, you know, run of the mill average people who aren't, you know, experts in these fields and, you know, discover these things uh, through work. But it's just, it's really wild. And I don't know, there's so many movies too now. There's so many, the murder mystery, the crime, I guess true crime is like a guilty pleasure of mine. Totally, totally. I watch all the crime shows. Anything murdery, that's my jam. Yeah, and there's so much now. Like, and it's it's awful because some of it like really does just glorify these cases. But I also find them very interesting. And like some of them, I'm like, how do we not know about this? Why isn't this solved? Like- yeah why we have all this technology and y'all still ain't solved this come on please yeah well that's really exciting um you know that you you have all these podcasts like you said before you have three different podcasts and they're all very different from one another yeah (laughs) so I guess is there anything new that you're working on um as we get ready you know to open up I mean most states are opened up now I've been seeing some comedians getting back out on tour or doing specials um, some are just like completely rebranding as well. Have you decided, um, things you're going to start doing now that, you know, everything's opening up again? So I, I think I can talk about it then. Um, well, I have a book that's coming out and I've been writing it over quarantine. And so we're going to announce it next month that I'm working on a book. So, um, that is the newest thing that's happening with me. And then just writing more stand up and touring and, and working on my next hour. Awesome. Well, since this will come out next month when the book is announced, um, can you explain at all, anything that will be touched upon? Will it be stuff you learned during the pandemic? A little bit. Yeah. But it's about my life and having the audacity to dream beyond what, beyond what I saw in my community growing up. And um, figuring out my identity and who I am. And the book is called Who Do I Think I Am? Stories of Chola Wishes and Caviar Dreams. I love that. Well, I, I can't wait to read it. Um, I think I love personally, I really love reading memoirs and um, hearing other people's stories. I mean, gosh, based a whole podcast around it. But I do. I think it's so interesting. And there's so much to always learn from that. Um, so, yeah, I can't wait. That's going to be so exciting. Awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah. I'm looking forward to, you know, getting this in people's hands and, and I'm very honest in this book. So I'm curious to see how people receive it. Yeah. Well, it's going to be so great to, you know, see you back out there doing work, seeing everybody really back out there doing their work. Um, once everything is just back up and running, but, um, I always love to conclude Angela with, with this being handling it, um, has there been a piece of advice or a lesson you've learned throughout your career that's really helped you handle your life? Yes. Um, my advice I like to leave with people is to do you and do you well. And what I mean by that is um, there's only one you. Um, there's no one else. 
that has your story. Like people can be similar to you. They can be, they can look just like you. They can be your sibling, your relative, but no one has your trauma. No one has your childhood. No one has your perspective, your point of view. No one has that time that you fell off your bike and broke your tooth. No one has that time when you took second place instead of first place. No one has your story. So there's only one you walking around on this planet. So whatever it is that you do, show up for yourself and do it well, because there's only one you that can get it done. And so just do you, but do you well to the best of your ability. I love that. Yeah. I think, I mean, gosh, in a world so big, I think it's sometimes really easy to forget that, you know, we're all individuals We all have like a certain amount of authenticity within us and to really utilize that, use it to our advantage um, and don't let it just get, you know, don't fall in line and just be, you know, one of many Um, really just let it shine. Yeah, exactly. Well, awesome. And where can people follow along with you? Keep up with everything. Uh, you can find me on the gram at Angela Johnson, A-N-J-E-L-A-H Johnson. You can find me on Facebook. You can find me on all the social media things at Angela Johnson. And my website is Angela.com. Um, I'm most active on Instagram, I would say. And then my podcast, uh, Ghost Stories with Angela or Mangela, M-A-N-J-E-L-A-H. That's Manuel and Angela. And Nights at the Round Table is our um, faith, our faith-based podcast. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story and uh, wishing you well with everything that's going to continue after this. Thank you. Thank you for having me. All right, guys, I hope you all enjoyed hearing from Angela and learning more about her career. Looking at where her career started out and how it brought her to where she is now, it's just such an incredible story to hear, and I'm so glad she was able to come on and chat about it. And if you're interested in following Angela's journey or tuning into her podcast projects, links and handles are listed in the episode description below. Thank you to Angela so much for coming on, and thank you listeners so much for tuning in. As always, let me know what you thought of our episode. You can reach us on Instagram at Handling It Podcast and feel free to send us a message and let us hear your thoughts and suggestions. I'll see you next week with a brand new episode, but until then, keep staying safe with everything going on in the world right now and keep handling it. I'll talk to you soon.